Have any of you ever gone camping as a kid? I have, and I hated it a lot. Judge me all you want, but the idea of sleeping out in the forest for a long period of time always sounded crazy to me. Now, I don't know why, but that's just how I am, I guess. Don't get me wrong, I do like going outside and getting exercise, but I don't like staying outside for an extended period of time. However, this changed later on in my life, when I discovered urban exploring and the rather large community that surrounded me. I quickly grew interested and started making a living off of it with YouTube videos. The idea of exploring an area that was once ripe with human activity always fascinated me for some reason, especially if the area was furnished and untouched since it was abandoned. Unfortunately, doing so was rare. If an abandoned place like this is discovered by someone in the community, it usually isn't long before the area is looted by explorers. I guess the rarity of such an activity is kind of a good thing, because if this was a common and easy thing to do, I think it would ruin the novelty of such an activity. Even after what happened, I'm still big into the urban explorers. The occurrence that I'm alluding to here happened back in 2016. Someone on Reddit told me about a nameless island off the coast of San Diego that I found on Google Maps. He said that it's been untouched since 2008. He asked me if I would like to explore it with him. I knew the guy, and had talked to him on several occasions before, so I accepted it. He said that he would meet up with me at the beach in a few hours. I went to the gym, did my workout, and walked down to the beach and waited for him. He said that he had his own motorboat, and we could use that to get there. After 15 minutes at sea, we finally made it to the island. The island was uninhabited for the most part, except for some structures in the heart of it. We walked around for a little. I noticed several strange and unnerving things already. For example, there were trees that were torn in half or blown apart, black spots in the ground, and even bones. Well, we finally made it to the small homestead. There were several small cabins and one large warehouse in the middle. We checked out some of the cabins first. They were furnished with beds, tables, and kitchen appliances. The only problem was that dust covered everything. One cabin was strange, however. There were clothes all over the place, rotten, already made food on the table, and the sink was full of dirty water. The clothes looked like they belonged to a little girl, and there was a phone on the counter. We then checked out the rusted warehouse. There was a boiler room, living quarters, etc. That's when we came across a large red door. Locked, of course. After about ten minutes, we finally managed to get the thing open, though. I was in awe when we walked in. Hundreds of different guns and weapons lined the walls, including a Sage SL-6, an FN Mini-Me, an M16, grenades, C4, and even a Stinger launcher. We entered another room. This one was a control room of sorts. In the front side of the room, there were three desks with multiple monitors set up. On the left, there was a security hub, and on the right, there were several shelves of hundreds of DVD cases. Obviously none of the tech worked because the place lacked power, but it was still really intriguing nonetheless. I took one of the cases off at the shelf. My friend protested and said that I shouldn't do that, spoiler alert, he was right, but I said that this place was abandoned for nearly a decade, 
and because of that, I didn't think anyone would give less of a shit about what we were doing. These people were organized, as all the DVDs were sorted out by date from January 17th, 2000 to December 14th, 2008. After about a half hour of exploring some more, we finally went back home. I decided that I wanted to see what was on the DVD, so I put it in my computer and viewed the files. There was one MP4 file called Episode 291. I checked the properties and it said that it was created April 1st of 2006. I loaded the video up and started with an intro. Camp 48 Productions presents an all-new episode of Campers and Scampers. Happy music played in the background. I was really interested at this point. It was a POV type video. It started with a clear view of three men standing in front of the warehouse. One was tall and muscular with a blue shirt, black pants, and a distinct anarchy symbol tattoo on his right shoulder. The one next to him was about five foot tall with the same polo shirt, and the other was a lean bulk man in a chef outfit. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, my name is Christian, that's Jake, Dwarf, Coben, and Chef Luke. Today we have a fun activity for you. There are five hidden items spread out across this island. One is a bag with 1.5 million in it, one is a PlayStation 3, an Xbox 360, a gaming laptop, and the other is a solid golden watch. If one single person can find all five prizes in one setting, you will win a grand prize of $10 million. If you don't find anything within the time limit, you will lose and be disqualified. The POV then switched to Christian's point of view and showed the contestants. There were, if I remember correctly, five children, six teenagers, 12 adults, for a total of 23 campers. Now, you all be split into groups of two. Good luck, everyone. The campers were split into groups and finally set out on their quest. Christian began to laugh silently and muttered, Oh my god, this is gonna be fucking golden. He then motioned for Jake and Luke to come with. He went to the computer room. The monitors were on with CCTV footage of various locations, such as a cave, two trees, and a cabin. He told Luke and Jake to ready up. He then grabbed some popcorn and sat down at the desk. The view then switched to Luke's point of view. He unlocked a big red door, walking into the armory. He grabbed an M60 machine gun and Jake grabbed some C4 charges with a bayonet M16. They then ventured out into the island. The view then switched to the CCTV footage of the two trees. There was a briefcase between them. Keep in mind that the camera had audio and colored video. A little girl, maybe seven or eight years of age, along with a young adult in his early 20s, walked over to the trees. The little girl pointed at the case, and the man walked over to it, then switched to Christian's POV. As the man made his way to the case, Christian grabbed a remote and pushed a big red button. The case exploded, obliterating the man and the girl. He laughed his ass off as he grabbed some more popcorn. Oh, man, this has to be fake, my friend said. I didn't respond. I didn't know what to say. If this was real, it was fucked up beyond belief. Then I was met with the image of a cave. I noticed that there was a PlayStation 3, complete with two controllers and cords as well. Two young men walked over to it, picking it up. Suddenly a large boulder fell on the man, crushing him instantly. 
The other man screamed and ran out of the cave. It then switched to drone footage of the man running. He then came across a cabin, a teenage girl and a young boy in front of it. They entered the cabin, the man entered after them. The drone was looking into the window. The man told the other two campers to not touch the laptop before he could do anything. Sharp spikes erupted through the floor, crippling the two kids. The spikes then lowered slowly. The man helped the two kids out of the cabin and went back to the homestead. While they were on their way there, they came across three campers, two children and an older woman. They told them what happened and made their way back to the homestead. They ran towards the warehouse's side door. It then switched to Luke's point of view. Little did the campers know, Luke was waiting on the other side with a loaded M60. As he then aimed the gun at the door, laughing evilly as he did, they opened the door and froze in place. The teen girl was about to say something, but then Luke opened fire on them. After ten seconds of loud gunfire, he finally stopped, turned around, and walked away. He muttered, We're down seven campers, Christian said. <laughs> awesome. What about the others? Asked Luke. We're getting to them, Jake said. Jake then grabbed what looked like a Def Tech grenade launcher and three incendiary grenades walking out of the warehouse. He came across four other campers. Hey, you aren't playing by the rules, guys. Groups of two, not four. With that, he pulled the pin on one of the incendiary grenades and threw it. He watched as the campers were roasted alive. Twelve more, he said under his breath. He walked for a little while before coming across three other campers. They were inside another cabin with a propane tank next to it. He remarked about how stupid they were, aimed his grenade launcher at the propane tank, and fired. He laughed as a huge explosion erupted from the impact. It then switched to Luke's point of view. This time he was carrying an M202 Flash. He came across a group of six campers atop a cliff. You're not playing the game very fairly, he said, while aiming the weapon at the base of the cliff. He fired the weapon almost the entire fucking cliff caved in, bringing the six campers down with it. He put the launcher down and whipped out two Desert Eagle handguns and searched for the other campers. After ten minutes, he finally found them, and instead of simply killing them, he forced them to kill each other, and then forced the remaining camper to end his own life. After this, the three hosts got together to search for the remaining two campers. After a few minutes, they finally found them, huddled up in a closet in a cabin. One was a two-year-old girl. The other was a seventeen-year-old boy. The hosts brought them back to one of the cabins by the warehouse and tied them up. Christian then said, Alright, buddy boy, you have two choices. Choice one, you slowly kill the girl, and we let you go free as the last survivor with the ten million. Or, we falsely accuse you of being a pedophile, ruin your life and reputation, and set both of you free with no physical pain. Come on, bro. You have to do this, the boy pleaded. Shut the fuck up, Luke yelled. Make a choice, man. You have 60 seconds. Come on. Egged on, Christian. Five. Four. Three. 
two. Fine. Two! I picked two. The boy yelled through tears. Good. <laughs> Alright. Christian yelled while clapping his hands. Christian then made a very in-detail social media post about how the camper was a child rapist. And even posted pictures of the mutilated children that he and his cronies killed. And made it come from the camper's account. Alright! Alright! Now will you let us go? He asked. Hmm... Nah, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Today's April Fool's Day, of course not! Said Christian happily. What? But you said... No... Buts. You made your choice by coming here, you doofus. You should have expected this shit. He then crudely amputated the two campers before killing them. Alright, let's get this video edited and uploaded, Jake said. I was sick. I didn't know what to say. What made it even worse is how the hosts acted after. They treated it like it was just another day at the office, despite the fact that they just brutally murdered 23 innocent people. We reported this to law enforcement. The island was investigated, but no leads were found as to who the men were. The FBI launched an investigation that lasted nearly a year, but nothing was found. All the videos and other evidence are now in the possession of the police, but I don't know if the men who ran this were arrested earlier on and law enforcement decided to cover it up for some reason, or if they just simply decided to abandon the operation. Still explore abandoned areas, yeah, but nowadays I'm much more careful about what I bring back with me. I still think about this to this day sometimes. I still hear the voices of those men in my nightmares.